0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected.
1: Well, we started this, this year, uh, launched into a series called Built to Thrive. Everyone say, Built to Thrive. We were built to thrive, and this is a stewardship series, and we started the the series talking about the difference between being an owner and a steward. And according to Scripture, when we look through the lens of Scripture, we are stewards, we are not owners of anything. And it really is a radical uh, thought. And when you really start to put your life and your your thoughts and your your know, just every part of your life uh, through that filter, that nothing belongs to us. We are stewards of what God gives us. And then last week, the second week in the series, we said, okay, what does God say about our time in stewardship? And we took us right to the Ten Commandments, and right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, we see that the Lord said that we are to remember the Sabbath, and we talked about Sabbath rest, that we are built for work, rest, work, rest rhythms, and if we just work, 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 uh, we are not honoring God, and uh, boy, I heard some testimony even this morning uh, from a few people saying, man, I'm I'm giving it a try. Today may be the first Sabbath day where you're saying, all right, no work. I'm going to worship, and I'm I'm going to relax and watch the football game and pastor sean has been working for the last couple of weeks on this message and i'm telling you he hit it out of the park and uh, he's going to come again and pastor sean come and bless us as you talk about stewarding our time part two boom love you brother
2: Awesome, awesome thank you uh Well, uh, there's a big game today, Detroit Lions. I'll have you out before 3 o'clock, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have some pre-game activities, so really i got to have you out here by 3.30, right? And so uh, we know that place is going to be electric and just a fun atmosphere. But thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, My name's Sean. I'm the youth pastor here, and it's just fun to serve here and be part of the staff, and it's just an excellent place. Uh, Like Pastor Ben said, we've been in a series called Built to Thrive, uh, all about stewardship, and he talked about Sabbath last week, how it was important to keep the Sabbath, and what it does to to you personally when you keep it, and how it's just simply even better for you to keep it. Uh, Just as a raise of hands, how many of you were able to practice Sabbath last week? Okay, a few. That's way more in first service, so good job. Uh, We know it's hard, and so, um, yeah, keep trying. Keep trying to figure out when you can practice the Sabbath and work on that. But today we're going to be talking about time as it relates to really the rest of the week. We know uh, that we can't Sabbath every day, and so uh, we want to talk about time as it relates to the rest of the week. Uh, we know this, that time is important, that everyone has their own schedules and uh, things that are important to them. I get that. I have those things. Uh, but also, time is uh, often the response to things as well, like, uh, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I don't have the time for that. And time is important in how we steward it, too. And so uh, we're going to look at two different Questions this morning. The first one we're going to spend uh, just a little bit of time on, but the second one we're going to kind of spend the rest of our time on. And the two questions are uh, What are we doing with the time we have? And the second one is Are we doing too much? What are we doing with the time we have, and are we doing too much? Again, going into the first one in Luke 12:33 through 34, it says, Wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. My NIV study Bible shared how a person's treasure is what is valued and pursued most in life. It's proven by priorities. It's proven by passions. It's proven by actions. A relevant Magazine, one of the uh, magazines, one of my go-to uh, study sources, said that the average American, this is a direct quote, the average American spends 705 hours per year on social media. That's a lot. And it goes on to say, yet so many voices are justifying our attempts to just fit God into our regular schedule. It would go on saying that even five minutes is better than nothing. And if that doesn't hit home for you, uh, look at this average. The article would go on saying the American spends 2,737.5 hours per year watching television. And in case you don't know, I did the math this morning. That's 114 days a year. A third of the year. And for some reason, finding it the and for some reason, finding the time for that isn't nearly so difficult. And the the magazine would go on to say. I know that some of you are reading this and will be tempted to exempt yourselves because perhaps you don't have the social media or you don't have TV. That's fine because it's not really about social media. It's not really about TV. Anyway, I'm confident that if any person were to look at a log of how he or she spends time on a daily basis, it wouldn't take long to pinpoint the unique activities that consume it. Another article I was reading, it was saying, Uh, I was talking about this employee of a, a major company who said they just wanted to, for one week, track their phone and see how much time they put on work time compared to personal time. And they were convinced that I spent a lot of time on work. So they tracked it for one week, and after one week, he said, I was on my phone nearly 41 hours watching videos, trolling through social media, surfing the internet. And these weren't training videos for work, this was just on his leisure time. Over 90% of my phone usage was not related to work at all. Though I hasten to add, it occurred after hours or on the weekends. In other words, I wasted personal time, not company time. He said, I doubt that makes anything better. I love the way Michael Novak, the theologian, put it. He says, the way in which our time is spent reflects our true values. So how are we doing with our time? I think if we were all to look at our time... We would see areas where we could do better at, we could be better stewards of. Honestly, I bet things could even be coming into your mind right now, whether that is social media, whether that is TV, whether that is sports, or whether whether that is working over spending time with your family, or maybe constantly saying, I'm going to get to devotions, but never get into them because of your time. You know, something that's helped me practically this year Uh, well, really before this year, is uh, just uh, putting things in my calendar so I know how to prioritize things, I know what to prioritize, whether that is sermon prep planning, whether that is going to the gym or watching a movie with my wife. It's things that I want to make sure I'm prioritizing the right things. And because that, that really just helps me prioritize, and maybe that's something you want to do as well. Again, how would you answer that question, what are you doing with your time, and how are you stewarding it? But the second question is one where we're going to dive deep on, and that is, are we doing too much? And I want to suggest to you today that we all need to slow down, that we all need to slow down, that um, it's just part of something where we need to develop that habit of slowing down. You know, when I was a kid, how many of you guys recognize a bag like this? I promise, I'm not just sponsored by Crest. I, this is something that was given to me uh, previously. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, going to the dentist office was uh, not necessarily something I looked forward to, because I didn't spend the proper amount of time brushing my teeth. <laughs> uh, I they say uh, you should spend at least two minutes uh, every time you brush your teeth, and I definitely would spend like one minute, and all the kids or all the people and said, hey man, I do that too, right? Um, but, Something I def- definitely did not pr- didn't prioritize in my life, and so. But the week going, leading up to the dentist, uh, I would, you know, what I'm going to make sure my teeth are clean. I don't want this dentist to find out anything, and so. But what well, was something I always look forward to is uh, getting the, the bag, and it was kind of motivate me for another week to brush my teeth better. But then it just went downhill from there. But you know, in the bag, yeah, toothbrush, you know, uh, that's important. Uh, I think. Um, And secondly, you'd get, let's see if I can find it. You'd get um, a floss. Those aren't important. So, um, (laughs) But something my dentist would do and something that I found out that wasn't common across the board. And I was shocked when I found this out when I was telling Ernissa this story just a few weeks back. I told it to her as if like, this was, like, across the board, but it wasn't. So my dentist, I think, is just a genius. He would give me an hourglass. And so he would say, hey, this is a one-minute hourglass. You, when you brush your teeth, you flip it over, and you watch it go down, and then you do it again, and that is your two minutes. And I just thought, as a kid, like, that was the coolest thing. But when I found out it wasn't across the board, I was like, I'm the only cool kid who got an hourglass at the dentist. Amen. Um, but... Uh, Just like the dentist wanted me to slow down and brush my teeth better, uh, I think Jesus' models slowing down for us. I'm going to prove it to you this morning uh, that Jesus lived at a different pace. And uh, as I read these stories, I want you to put yourself in the story. So let's go to the first story of John 11, 4 through 7. It's the story of Lazarus, and let's read. It says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha, This is the Mary who later poured out the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard about what he had said, Lazarus, his sickness will not end in death is what he said. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, verse verse 6, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I want to pause right there because if I was in charge, and and this was a friend of mine, I'd be like, hey, you are the one who uh, has healed people in the past. I need you to do this now. I need you to come with me. We're going to go to see Lazarus. But Jesus had a different pace. Let's move down to verse 17 and point out something else. It says in verse 17, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been dead in his grave for four days. In verse 18, I found it was very interesting. But Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. Let's pause again. Why is that important? Why is uh, the writer saying Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem? In other translations, it actually says uh, two miles down the road. It's because Jesus was previously in Jerusalem. So you're telling me that Jesus was two miles away from someone who needed a miracle, but yet he didn't rush. That tells us something. That God's timing, just like you heard in the testimony this morning, is always better than our timing. And we have to trust that. Now Jesus even had the most important assignment on the planet, yet he wasn't in a hurry. You know, I've heard the response before. Like, you don't understand my role at my job. You don't understand everything I have to do. I have to rush. I have to run. I have to run. I have to run. And I'd say, listen, your job is important, but it wasn't as important as Jesus' job. And people may need you, but you, but not as much as we need Jesus. And yet Jesus was never in a hurry. Let's read another story. It's a story of Jairus's daughter, found in Mark 5, 21 through 39. says, so Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he, when he saw Jesus, he felt his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. She, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Now let's pause then again. Jesus is, uh, gets off the boat, Jairus comes up, he says, heal my daughter, and then they're walking through the crowds, and all of a sudden there's like a disruption into, into the story. Why on earth does the story get brought up about a woman when Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter? And let's read it. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch this robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. In verse 30, Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look into this crowd uh, pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? 32, but he kept on looking around to see uh, who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and she, she fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that I serve a God who slows down long enough to see my need. But remember. Jairus is still right there. He's still waiting for uh, his miracle to take place. Watch what happens in verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, Jesus speaking to the woman who just received healing, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told them, your daughter is dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. Now, when I was reading this this week, uh, this is actually troubling for me to read. Because I had to think to myself, how many times do people not connect with me, not talk with me, because I uh, say I'm busy, or I'm in a hurry, I'm not slowing down long enough to hear people's needs. Then it makes me think of how many things I've missed out on, and it was troubling. But then in verse 36, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stepped into the crowd, and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they had came to the home of the synagogue leaders, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, what is all this commotion? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. It's powerful that Jesus lived this lifestyle of slowing down in the midst of other people who had needs. You see, we're all in a hurry. We all want this quick fix. Uh, we we want to make the quick meals, or we want the even major companies have switched to uh, making everything about being quick so you can pick up your groceries uh, by not going into the store. You can order food ahead of time on the app. Uh, I'm not saying those are even bad things. I participate in those things, and those... Uh, uh, those things help me steward my time better. But I'm saying what's happening, our companies are feeding into this mentality of being in a hurry and always looking to what's next. I mean, I was at, uh, uh, over the Christmas holidays, it wasn't even Christmas Day yet, and I was at Meyer and they already had Valentine's stuff out. And I was like, can I not just enjoy the season I'm in? And, and then all the men said amen, because they're not looking towards Valentine's Day yet. But again, you know, we're constantly in a hurry. They've actually developed this term called hurry sickness, which is defined as the feeling of constantly uh, being behind or rushed. And it's actually been linked to anxiousness and stress. You know, often we feel like we aren't productive if we aren't busy. I mean, uh, come on, even uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh was forced to slow down in his suspension, and Michigan still beat Ohio State and uh, won the championship. Come on, right? Or how about the Lions have been on sabbatical for 30 years, but they finally got out of it this year. I'm just messing, but something the scriptures I read earlier tell us that Jesus was productive, but he was never rushed. And if we follow an unrushed Jesus, then we should live an unrushed lifestyle. I love the way it was put by Corey Tin Bloom. He said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So today, uh, next few moments, I want to give you three slowdowns that I think are going to be important in this coming year. And I think if we can grasp these, then I think it will help propel us to be built to thrive. And so the first one is this, that we need to slow down to be with God. We need to slow down to be with God. We were created for a relationship with God. We were created for that, and the reality is, is we don't give him time during the week. We sometimes think Sundays are uh, the days where we can be with God, and the rest of the week we don't have to be, but we need to slow down to be with God. Luke five fifteen through 16 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Verse 16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I get it. The world is busy, but we need to slow down and be with God. Pause your schedule. Be still with God. If we develop this habit, uh, I would actually challenge you to do this. If we can develop this habit on our busiest days to pause longer to be with God, that would be incredible. If we're too busy to be with God, then guess what? We're too busy. And Psalms 46.10 says this. He says, be still and know that I'm God. So don't move so quick that you don't know where God is moving in your life. If we went around and asked the question, where is God moving in your life, I would hope that we all could answer that. But we need to be still and know that he is God. Know where he's working in your life. Uh, My NIV study Bible notes refer to... Be still as quit holding on to things that may be distracting you or weighing you down spiritually, things that keep you from honoring God and giving him the proper place in your life. Let's slow down and give God the proper place in our life. Be still with our schedule. Be be still in our meetings. Be still with your family. Can we just say, God, help us be still. The second slowdown is to slow down to make a difference with people. And all the introverts in the room just cringe. But it's not just an extrovert or an introvert thing. It's also an extrovert thing. Uh, I'm guilty of this. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, the, uh, I was at the gym, and they have this little office area. It's kind of like tucked around in the corner. And someone went in there, and I hadn't seen this person in a little bit. I said, hey, how have you been? And she responded. She was like, hey. and uh, She knows I'm a pastor. So she's like, hey be praying for my grandson. And uh, then I felt like I was disrupted in the conversation because someone was trying to get into the office, someone who actually worked there. I don't work there. And someone um, uh, was trying to get in. So then I leaned in. I just said, hey, I'll be praying for you. And then I uh, walked out of the room. But when I got to my car and I was driving away, I was like, what on earth did I just do? Like that was a completely open door for a great conversation to happen, but I missed out on it. I wasn't slowing down long enough to make a difference with a person. And I say this, that we need to slow down and make a difference, and there's a difference in saying, hey, I'll be praying for you, than actually praying in that moment. I love the way John Maxwell puts it. He says, uh, we need to learn to walk slowly through the crowds. You know, there's uh, not one time in the Bible that you would find Jesus running. He'd even run to the cross and that was his ultimate purpose for him being here. Actually, he slowed down long enough and said, "God, let Your will be done." So let's be intentional about slowing down. Let's be intentional about slowing down to make a difference in people's lives. Let's slow down long enough to see the needs of other people and that uh, that people have around us, and ask ourselves the question: How can I meet those needs? How can I meet the needs of the people around me that I rub shoulders with on a daily basis? How can you meet the needs of the the one person that you've been praying for? I love uh, what Mother Teresa said. She said, never be so busy as not to think of others. John Mark Comer, he's the famous author who wrote uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a great book. If you don't have that book, you should pick that up. He said this, that hurry and love are incompatible. Meaning this, that don't hurry so much in your life that you forget to love others. Don't hurry so much in life that you forget to even love on God. Hurry and love are incompatible. He also, on the version app, just as a practical note, he, uh, there's like a five or seven day uh, Bible plan on there. I encourage you to check it out um, and then maybe even get the book. But hurry and love are incompatible. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. The last one, and I think this one is important, I really do. You slow down to be with God, and you slow down to make a difference in people's lives. Those are great. But the third one is to slow down to enjoy the season you're in. You know, uh, uh, when uh, Renissa R- R- and I, we were starting to get to know each other, it was like the end of 2014, 2015, um, I actually funny story. I didn't tell first service. Um, she asked me for my number cause we we're small group leaders over the same small group. And I said, no, I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> funny story. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we started getting to know each other and we started hanging out, going to coffee shops all the time, hanging out with people. And when we were just not even dating yet, people would say, Hey, Hey, when are you going to date? When are you going to date? When are you going to date?" actually, we were even in a movie. We were watching one of the Avenger movies, and it was on our way out. Uh, A friend of ours said, would you guys just date already? And he said that out loud in front.
1: And I was like, man,
2: like, you just ruined it. I'm just kidding. But it was like, before we were even dating, he was like, hey, when are you going to date? When are you going to date? When are you going to date? Then we started uh, dating. And it was like, hey, when are you going to get engaged? When are you going to get engaged? When are you going to get engaged? And then we uh, got engaged and it was, hey, when are you gonna get married? When are you gonna get married? When are you gonna get married? And then uh, we just never told anyone the wedding date. Just kidding, that's not true. We told everybody. But then it was when we got married, it was, hey, when are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have kids and we don't have kids? And I could only imagine That if we were to have kids, it'd be like, hey, when are you going to have your next kid? When are you going to have your next kid? When are you going to have your next kid? And um, it never was it, hey, enjoy the season you're in. Enjoy the dating season. Enjoy the engagement season. Enjoy the wedding season. And all the couples said, amen, enjoy the wedding season. But it was always like, hey, be thankful you're not in that, or not in the season I'm in. That's what we hear more of. Can I just say, can we just slow down to enjoy the season we're in? Slow down long enough to enjoy it. As people, we're wired to rush and not enjoy. We are so rushed to move on from one current season to the next, then to the next, then to the next. Listen, you could be in the greatest season of your life right now, but you're looking onto what's next. You could be in the worst season of your life right now, and you're looking at to what's next. But can I challenge you to slow down and enjoy the season you're in? Because there's a purpose in every season. There's a purpose in the great seasons. There's a purpose in the worst season. But if we slow down long enough to enjoy the season we're in, guess what's gonna happen? Is we're gonna hear God. And we're gonna say, God, this is the purpose of this season right now. Hey, this is the worst season I'm in. But guess what? There's a purpose in that season. God, God, Help us to be built to thrive in all seasons. Let's just slow down long enough to see it. I mean, get this: some of you guys might already be thinking, like, "Hey, what am I having for lunch today?" And it's like I can't even—you're not even enjoying the, this season, this time, this moment that you're in right now. I love what uh, happens in Matthew 9:10. 10. Verse 10 says, "As Jesus reclined at the table in the house." Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I love that because Jesus had a cross to get to. Jesus had things he had to do, but yet he was reclining at the table. He was enjoying the moment. If you get nothing else about slowing down, get this. Sometimes we are so rushed to get to what's next that we miss out on what's now. So maybe today... You're in church for one purpose, and that purpose is this, to simply hear the words, slow down. You're doing too much. So we're going to do two different things to close off. The first one is today maybe you need to make a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to have this rest in Christ. When you accept him as your Lord and Savior, that's a great place to start. So maybe part of you receiving rest is that you accept him today. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about heavily in our youth services is the Holy Spirit. And one of the impressions of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit striving after us. You know, that means today this, that you are here on purpose for a purpose. There's been unique conversations. There's been unique things that's taken place for you to be in this room today. And maybe that purpose today is that you would accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 3:23 says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory. Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10:9 through 10 you may say like how do I accept Jesus? It says in 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 for with one heart with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses. So i have everyone close their eyes and bow their head. Maybe today you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need this uh, saying, this is a, just a great start for you to receive rest that you need in Jesus. Again, the Holy Spirit's been striving after you. You're here on purpose, potentially for this purpose, accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So if you'd say that's you, that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. for the first time, or maybe it's a rededication moment, can I just see your hand? You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I see those hands, amen. Three and then four in the middle, amen. Five in the middle, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Then we're gonna pray a prayer. I'm actually gonna just ask everyone to pray this prayer. If everyone could just say, dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life, but today I put my faith in you. Clean up my heart. Take away my sin. I know I don't deserve it, but you provided a way when you died on the cross. Save me and help me to live for you. Scripture says when we pray a prayer like that, that angels are rejoicing in heaven. So we celebrate, we give honor where honor is due. That's awesome. That's awesome. The second thing we want to do today, I'm going to have everyone stand with me. I think the reality is, is everyone in the room could say, I need to slow down. I think we all could say we're too busy. And so today, what we want to do is I think some of us need rest. But it's the rest that God can bring. So you may be in the room and say, even this, when I slow down, it causes more stress in my life. I am wired to keep going and going and going and going. And I'm going slow down. Test it out. Try it out. But I also say this, that Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. He's saying, Learn from me as Jesus, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, that you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's saying, Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you that what you need. Learn from him. He was the example. And again, if we follow this unrushed Jesus, we shouldn't follow this unrushed lifestyle. So today, here's what we're going to do. Today, maybe you need to slow down and receive that rest from God. I would say when we start singing, these altars are open. Come and receive rest from God. But also it's a practicality thing. You can't walk out of here and say, oh, I'm gonna go, 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 go. No, no, no. You need to find your rest, slow down. Don't hear a message, don't practice it outside of here. Hear a message and say, you know what? I'm gonna go do something about this. No longer am I gonna run, 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 run. I am going to say, you know what? Just Jesus modeled this, so I'm gonna try to live it. So today, uh, when we start saying, I'm gonna pray, when we start, I'm gonna say these altars are open, come receive rest from God. And don't don't run out of here too quickly. Slow down long enough. Say, you know what? I'm going to take these next few moments and enjoy this moment that I can rest in God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, I pray in the next few moments, God, that people who need rest would we'll just uh, experience your peace, experience your presence. Lord, we walk out change people, just like the four or five who accepted Jesus. They're walking out changed. They're no longer living uh, without you, but you're going with them. You're striving after them still. And God, I pray in the next few moments, God, as we just respond, Lord, that you would just, uh, your presence would just overflow in this altar. Lord, your presence would just overflow in this room. And we would just experience what we call a firm foundation in your presence. Again, we're built to thrive. Help us thrive with our time when we walk out of these doors. Lord, we just give the praise and honor. in our Jesus name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and respond by coming to the front and go ahead and take it away. Worship team.
0: I just thank Jesus for his goodness and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Yes, Jesus, we thank you and praise you. As Pastor Sean was preaching this morning, I was reminded of the story of Mary and Martha and it's a, a story where Jesus came to their home. Uh, they're the sisters of Lazarus we talked about and uh, Martha was doing the typical thing that Uh, women should do or a host should do and she was running around caring for everything and at one point she got angry at Mary because Mary was just simply sitting at Jesus' feet. It's like won't you tell her to go help me? And Jesus looked at her and he said Mary chose the better thing. How often are we running around going here to there filling our schedules and not realizing that we're missing the better thing? Dear Jesus, I just thank you that you are the best thing. You are the only thing. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, help us to be good stewards of our time. That we can't do anything to change the amount of time that we have. So help us to be content. Lord, we don't need to fill our schedules. We don't need to do everything. Lord, help us to be people who can simply find our rest, find our wholeness, find our purpose, find our truth in who you are. Let us be people who choose the better thing. Jesus, and we thank you for your example. For these stories, Lord. The story of Jairus' daughter that we never know the shoulders we're going to touch, the people we're going to bump. Lord, help us to be present. Help us to be aware. That, Lord, we are going out into a lost, hurting, and broken world as your ambassadors, as your emissaries, Lord. We are going to be rubbing shoulders with our coworkers, with our family members, with our friends. Help us to be present and choose the better thing. Help us to find who we are and who you are and to love you, Lord. You are Lord over everything in our life. Lord, and you've called us to be an example, Lord. And it's so easy for us to be an example, maybe in our our morality or, or in our finances, Lord. Help us to be an example in how we are different with our time. Not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing that comes through your spirit, Lord. We give ourselves to you today and we know We know we're going to be bumping into shoulders as we leave this place. Help us to follow after you in how we respond. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory and honor because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords and you're Lord over our time. We give it all to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for bringing a powerful word. Go in the grace of God. God bless.